Views and opinions expressed on this program are those of the guests and contributors, and not necessarily those of WFSU Public Media. What's the 411? You're tuned in to 411 Teen, a weekly program for teens, families, and other interested folks. 411 Teen provides a forum to examine and discuss various issues and events that confront intersect, and sometimes interrupt our daily lives. I'm Dr. Liz Hollyfield. Joining me via the Zoom platform, I welcome Carlos Guillermo Smith. He is a former member of the Florida House of Representatives, District 49. He hails from Orlando. He's the first openly gay Latin person elected to the Florida legislature. He's been with Equality Florida, since 2015. He is a senior advisor. Welcome to 411 Team, Carlos. Thank you, Dr. Holyfield. It's great to be here. I'm so glad to have you. Kivantes Ford. He has been with, um, I guess, Equality Florida for, since 2020. He is a Northwest Florida community organizer. Uh, he's here in Tallahassee, and I welcome you to 411 Team. Thank you, Dr. Hollyfield. It's nice to be here. Yeah. Sylvia? Sylvia is a representative of Generation Z. She is a senior field fellow for Equality Florida. She's a second-year political science student at FSU. Sylvia? Thank you for having us. It's yeah. such a gift. Thank uh, you. Well, thank you for participating. LGBTQ issues remain controversial. The transgender population has a target on their back. Societal attitudes towards LGBTQ plus community, particularly the trans population, vary according to culture, education, and political affiliation. Equality Florida is Florida's statewide civil rights organization dedicated to securing full equality for Florida's lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, and queer community, issues surrounding the LGBTQ community continue to elicit volatile responses. Why are we moving toward a more intolerant attitude? This edition of 411 Team features Equality Florida. Equality Florida has worked since 1997 to advocate and lobby the passage of local and state-level policies to make the state of Florida a welcoming and inclusive place to live, work, and visit for the LGBTQ community. 411 team applauds their perseverance, their dedication, and their resiliency. We are glad and proud to have them. My first question to you all is, who is Equality Florida. Tell us about it. I mean, I've tried to do an overview, but I know that may not have been sufficient. So educate us. This is what we want to do this this hour. Well, thank you again for having us. It's really, really great to be here. You know, Equality Florida, as you mentioned, uh, we're our state's largest LGBTQ civil rights organization. Uh, we have existed since 1997 for the purpose of making Florida a more inclusive place to live, work, and visit. 
And over the time that we've been around, we've advocated and passed so many of those inclusive uh, pro-equality policies, uh, both at the local and at the state level. But as you mentioned at the top of the show here, the political environment uh, has really taken a turn for the worst here in the state of Florida. Uh, it's taken a turn for the worst uh, because we have uh, an ambitious governor who has decided that he wants to attack the LGBTQ community and marginalize what's an already uh, marginalized community. We know that uh, LGBTQ people are a safe, uh, well, excuse me, let me restate that. We know that uh, LGBTQ people are a healthy and normal uh, part of our everyday lives. LGBTQ people are our neighbors, they're our family members, they're our coworkers, they're our friends. And so many of these uh, attacks that we've been seeing, particularly from the Florida legislature, uh, send a, a terrible message, uh, not only about the LGBTQ community, but particularly to LGBTQ youth who should be celebrated, accepted, mm -hmm. and affirmed for who they are. Okay. Any other comments on, on who Equality Florida is? Share your... One, yeah, go right ahead. Yes. One of the reasons that I began my work uh, volunteering uh, with Equality Florida um, is for visibility. Um, they represent and uplift so many marginalized communities within the LGBTQ community, uh, most specifically black and brown communities. I myself represent that population. Um, and that's what got me most interested. Um, and, you know, starting out as a volunteer with the organization. Okay. So Equality Florida provides a lot of opportunities for folks to get involved and sort of be on the pipeline and take action, which is why I sort of got involved in this. And up until very recently, we defeated a lot of anti-LGBTQ bills. So this new political climate has really changed the game and the landscape that we're operating in. Uh, this this political climate is 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 disturbing to say the least. Yeah. How did we get here? From where you sit. Well, I think that how we got here is this cycle of progress and backlash that has always been. Every time movements for equality and acceptance um, move forward and, and see progress as we have seen uh, as far as the movement for marriage equality, for example, there is a, a backlash that happens as a result. You know, we've seen over the last uh, 10 or 15 years in the United States that uh, acceptance, for example, for same-sex marriage has just exploded. Mm -hmm. It's gone through the roof as LGBT people have become more visible, uh, as folks have been sharing their stories and people really understood what I mentioned before, that LGBT people are a healthy and normal part of every community and every school and should be uh, celebrated and affirmed for who they are. As a result of that, you saw our opponents, uh, the hard right, the, uh, the folks who have mm -hmm. opposed uh, equality and have pushed homophobic and transphobic rhetoric uh, have, have, have initiated a backlash uh, most of that has begun on the on the political front, where we see mm -hmm. uh, states like Florida 
uh, for example, uh, passing a, a ban on trans students being able to participate in team sports. We were told at the time when this law passed in Florida in 2021 that uh, supporters of the new law were only concerned about pr protecting women's sports. Uh, that's what they said in their own words. But that very quickly uh, escalated into attacks on the ability for trans folks to be able to get life-saving, gender-affirming care, uh, including adults, that very quickly escalated into laws that passed that made it a crime for folks to use the restroom mm -hmm. that, uh, that corresponds with their gender identity. And so uh, from, from the get-go uh, with so many of these uh, anti-trans and anti-LGBTQ laws, what uh, supporters of those laws are saying as far as the necessity to pass them uh, has has been debunked um, over and over. And we've seen that it was not about protecting women's sports, but it was about the bigotry. I wonder, if, for example, just, just use an example, these egregious policies are directed, again, toward the transgender population. They're so prolific. For example, the one about using the bathroom. What's the use of that policy? Who's going to enforce it? How are they going to enforce something like that? I mean, it, to me, it just seems like a lot of rhetoric. And maybe we, maybe I don't know what the plans are. I mean, I just see it as being being ridiculous. There's another one about um, nicknames. One of the students at uh, Rickards, IB, brought this up. The new law Florida prohibits teachers from calling a child by their nickname. They have to use the name that was given on the birth certificate. These all seem to be anti-trans, anti-LGBTQ policies, unless I'm misreading it. And, and you correct me if I am, because that's what this is about. This is about education. So if I'm wrong, please let me know. Um, <laughs> no, you're certainly not wrong. You're certainly not wrong. And look, when you mention uh, what's happening in our schools, yes, uh, this legislative session, the Florida legislature uh, expanded the don't say LGBTQ law uh, to eighth grade. And then the State Board of Education, uh, through rulemaking, expanded the provisions of the don't say LGBTQ law all the way to 12th grade. And as part of that expansion, what they also did was they enacted new laws regulating things like pronouns and preferred mm -hmm. names to the point where now in pretty much all of our 67 school districts, our public school districts in Florida, uh, if uh, parents want uh, a teacher or administrator to refer to their child using any name other than their provided legal name, then they have to sign a right. permission slip yeah. uh, in order to do that. So, for example, if the if the child's name is Michael, uh, they have to fill out a permission slip in order to call them Mike. Mike. These are the mm -hmm. consequences of these uh, bigoted laws: is that they are are now imposing all of this additional criteria just for these classrooms to be able to function. Okay, well, at least I'm on the right road. I mean, I'm just one because I read the laws and I wonder, where are they coming from? What is this about? But hold your thoughts right now. You're tuned in to 411 Team. 
we're, we're going to take a break um, shortly. Um, the fight for gay rights in the United States has come a long way since Stonewall uprising in 19, what was it, 1969, when gay and trans patrons of the Stonewall Inn in New York fought back against the police trying to arrest them. Across the country, LGBTQA Americans still face legalized discrimination under the law when it comes to housing, when it comes to jobs, when it comes to parenting, and even prison. The Center for American Progress found in a 2020 comprehensive study the LGBTQ plus individuals continue to confront discrimination public in the public sphere, workplace, and across critical health care. We're going to take a brief break shortly, but when we come back, I'd like us to look at the systemic inequities in health care. just tuning in. The program is 411-TEEN, and this hour I am talking with members of the Equality Florida community. As we, before we went on break, we were talking, I was mentioning about the discrimination that you, the population continues to experience. The LGBTQ population combat systemic inequities in healthcare. There's lack of access, lack of insurance, agencies for health care administration. What role do they play? And I, I know you all have kind of someone generally referred to it, but I would like to just look at that a little bit more. Whoever feels comfortable. I could talk okay. uh, for the, the work that we've been doing and sure. uh, the mobilization efforts that we participated in for the Board of Medicine and Board of Osteopathy meetings. Um, we mobilized volunteers to three of those meetings, representing about 75 to 90% of the speakers at every meeting, um, showing how dedicated the community support for access to gender-affirming care is. Okay, that's fine. As someone who attended the March Board of Medicine meeting and the Board of Osteopathic meeting, I just wanted to paint a bit of a picture of what it's like to be physically in that room and in that space for anyone who hasn't personally been to one. So being sort of a fish out of water as someone who's in Gen Z and entering the world of politics, this was my first gig. This was the first time I was meeting my bosses, the first time I was doing sort of a really major event with Equality Florida that wasn't a pride. So I get there and there's buses full of people, about 100, 200 people that have drove hours to be there with hand-painted signs, custom shirts that clearly really care about what is going on. Mm -hmm. And as I'm learning what a public comment is for the first time and you know figuring out how do you sign up for one, what does it mean to check this off and not check that off, I'm telling folks how to use their voice as well. And over the next few hours, you have parents pleading for their lives and their kids' lives and mm. just almost screaming at times um, to help their kids because if this doesn't go well, their kid might not be alive tomorrow or the next day. They can't know that their kid is going to be okay without their health care. And towards the end of that meeting, the entire board decided to vote no. 
And when they voted no, they voted no knowing how many people showed up and were begging. They voted no almost without thought. They voted no without discussion. They just decided that. It was almost as if they walked into the room, sitting there for hours with their minds already made up. Mm -hmm. And having listened to the one to three people that it felt like were in that room who flew out of state, who flew out of the country to be there and show their support for what the board agreed with. And I, as long with a bunch of other organizers, left that room in tears because you can't take it. Those are our friends. Those are our people. Those are our neighbors who have shown up there and now are personally hurt by policy. So these board meetings can be incredibly cutthroat and incredibly just straight to the point. It almost feels as if they don't care at times. And it also hurts that not everyone on that board is a medical professional making these healthcare decisions for trans people. So that's sort of my experience in being in that room, but the Florida legislature and what we do can be incredibly depressing and incredibly difficult to sit through and hear your community be torn apart, being called demon, demons, mutants, and imps over and mm. over again, and having to still move forward and fight the good fight. It's hard, but we're trying to save lives. Well, I applaud you. I don't know how you do it, but you certainly yeah. all, you all do it. Carlos, what have you encountered? You handle a lot of the policy and and with the legislature you've been in, and I guess you're going to run again. Hope you will be successful. But what what's your take on this? Sorry, I didn't realize I was on mute. So oh. let, me, <laughs> let me pause and, and get ready to start, because I know you'll be editing this later. I'm yeah. talking to myself there. Well. Um, well, yeah, you mentioned so much about uh, healthcare inequities, and that is something that deeply impacts the LGBTQ community. Fear of discrimination often causes uh, many LGBTQ people to avoid seeking care. And when they do get treatment, studies have shown that LGBTQ people are often not treated with the respect or cultural competence that all patients deserve, which is why it's really, really important that we do have a healthcare system in Florida and everywhere that provides culturally competent care for every single community to be able to meet their needs. When it comes to new laws and how they are impacting the ability of LGBTQ people to get the care that they need in the state of Florida, I mean, you have this new law that Governor DeSantis signed that puts up serious obstacles for trans Floridians to be able to get life-saving, gender-affirming care. And when we talk about life-saving, gender-affirming care, we're, we're talking about the ability of trans folks, whether they be uh, minors or whether they be adults, to get healthcare that is endorsed by every major medical association in the United States. Um, what we saw was a law passed that not only banned life-saving gender-affirming care for transgender minors, but also put up significant obstacles for transgender adults to be able to access care. So what we're seeing right now, for example, is that nurse practitioners are no longer allowed to mm -hmm. deliver 
uh, gender affirming care to transgender adults. It has to be uh, an MD or a DO. Why is that a problem? Well, because we believe uh, more than 70% of transgender adults receive their gender affirming care from a nurse practitioner. So these types of obstacles were intentionally put in front of the trans community uh, to prevent them from being able to get the care that they need. Now, of course, we, we see litigation, we see lawsuits uh, that have uh, had mixed results as far mm -hmm. as whether they were able to uh, get a temporary injunction on some of these laws. Some of them have been successful. Some of them have have not been successful, but it has been a, a major obstacle to the trans community being able to get care. Uh, and, and the only motivation here, the only motivation for these laws was discriminatory. And there's no questioning that that's what the intent was here. Well, you must have been reading my mind because I was sitting here thinking, what motivates folks to respond? I mean, how would you, how would you characterize the general societal attitude that you encounter just on a, a regular day, okay, um, toward the LGBTQ community? I mean, what are the variables from your perspective that influence these, these attitudes? I mean, it seems like we need an attitude adjustment. Um, so talk, talk to that because, again, I mean, it's, it's just baffling to me. And, and me that's to all of, you, all of you. I'd like to hear yeah, from all of you on that. I was going to say for me personally, I feel like it stems from a lack of education, a lack of wanting to learn. Mm -hmm. um, I feel like a lot of people try to... I would say convey like their feelings through like their religious beliefs. Um, so a lot of the conflicts that I've seen and experienced um, stem from people's religious beliefs. Um, but that's not to say that there aren't uh, religious affirming organizations out there mm -hmm. uh, because they were hand in hand with us um, at the Capitol. Um, dispelling um, a lot of the rhetoric uh, that the right uh, was propagating. Um, a lack of compassion, a lack of, of uh, just wanting to understand. Um, and me personally, I experienced that growing up um, in my own household. Um, and that's just to say that uh, me, and my, me and my family are at a better place. Uh, but, you know, it, it took years of, you know, them seeing my own lived experiences and the things that uh, are perpetuated behind the guise of religion um, and how that impacted me um, and my mental health personally. Okay. So I also want to speak on my own personal experiences and what it's like to grow up queer, especially as someone who might be a bit younger. I think a lot of college students and high school students can recognize that there are a lot of pockets of safe spaces, but there are also spaces that you just exist in and you know that it is not the safest place for you, even if no one has told you that. It's sort of like these laws, for example, that 
through their vagueness, intimidate people to take action or act in a certain way. These laws also make us feel as if we can't be fully ourselves in every space. So what that looks like is high schoolers asking their friends to go with them to, to the bathroom in her in herds so mm. they have you know defense in case anything happens to them and for me personally i think it's not only that sort of lack of education but it can also be language barriers i grew up with deaf parents and not only were they not able to fully communicate me with me through sign language it was also that they had a hard time grappling some basic concepts. Um, my mother did not fully understand multiplication. My father con had confusion on terms like the environment and, mm -hmm. you know, what's a maiden name, you know, things we kind of mm -hmm. all assume are true. So there's a lot of work that has to be done to get someone to the point where they understand queer people's lived experiences and also have the mentality of the wants of the majority to have people act a certain way, don't overrule the rights of the minority to exist and be who they are. Um, so there's a lot of variety in what is a safe space, but also there are places that of like hate and unacceptance and coldness. Mm -hmm. Okay. Other comments? Yeah, and you know, when it comes to how our society uh, and how uh, the progress we have made has been met with backlash, I think what we're seeing is a lot of um, political rhetoric, a lot of propaganda mm -hmm. that has been put out there uh, by uh, folks who oppose LGBTQ equality by politicians who are trying to advance their own political ambitions on mm -hmm. the backs of LGBTQ people, they put, you know, some of these anti-gay and anti-trans uh, slurs out there to try to bring back some of the old rhetoric of the past. We all know about uh, the ugly and bigoted legacy that Anita Bryant left oh, behind yeah. uh, from the 1970s, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, Anita Bryant... Uh, basically uh, led the campaign against uh, gay folks in the 1970s. You know, she objected to the ability of, of gay teachers to be able to have jobs in our public schools. The message that she put out there was that somehow that, uh, that gay people were a threat to our children, that having gay people in the classroom uh, would somehow uh, put our kids uh, in danger. Uh, that was uh, a narrative and a ugly and homophobic rhetoric that took hold uh, across the country. But then people understood that these were lies, that it was bigoted homophobia, that, as I mentioned before, LGBTQ people are a healthy and normal part of every society. Mm -hmm. And so those those laws that came in the wake of Anita Bryant were rolled back, they were repealed and they were undone. And what we see now is we see similar rhetoric. Yeah. We see people like Governor Ron DeSantis holding press conferences to celebrate the signage of the expanded don't say LGBTQ laws 
and he has signage that says protect our children well protect them from what the insinuation there mm -hmm. is again that uh, the presence or inclusion of conversations about lgbtq people and their families is somehow a threat uh, a threat that needs to be uh, addressed by our state government. Of course, these are these are lies. Uh, it's bigoted propaganda, and it sends a really ugly message to LGBTQ youth who should have our support and should be an accept accepted and affirmed for who they are. Well, and I, I find it deeply offensive uh, the rhetoric of labeling um, you know gays as groomers. Um, uh -huh. Trigger warning as a victim of sexual assault um, in my adolescent um, years, um, that crime was that crime was done by a, a cis man. And studies have found mm -hmm. that most um, grooming cases and uh, crimes against children in that way that are uh, sexually innocent are perpetuated by 57% um, of white men. You know, cisgender mm -hmm. white men. Mm -hmm. They're the ones creating the crimes. Define They're the cis, ones excuse me. The Define cisgender for our listening audience, please. Uh, cisgender is um, identifying with the gender assigned at birth. Okay. And well, that's what the studies are showing. You know, mm -hmm. it, it's not it's not gay people. Gay people just want to live. We just want to <laughs> be free. That's mm -hmm. it. You know, mm -hmm. going back to what Carlos saying about letting kids be kids, you know, it's letting kids be kids unless you're a gay kid, unless you're a member of that LGBTQ, like unless you're that, you know, it's a constant othering of us instead of looking at us as human beings, people with emotions. Mm -hmm. uh, I spoke out against um, the expansion of the don't say uh, LGBTQ. Um, at, and I spoke out um, against the expansion of Don't Say LGBTQ during this legislative session. Um, and that, that, that was heart-wrenching for me because I had to open up and, you know, some wounds mm -hmm. um, that I've had to endure, um, you know, dealing with um, the trauma of having to go through that um, as a child. So I, I find that rhetoric um, extremely offensive. Um, and it it's just wrong. It's wrong in my opinion. I do want to comment that this rhetoric doesn't exist in a vacuum. We have people showing up to Miami school board meetings and school board meetings across the state with shirts that say shoot pedophiles, which in the context of the school board meeting implies shooting the queer people in that room. This doesn't just be said out loud and that's it. So yeah, those are there's real a lot threat. that we're always dealing with. Yeah, it's a real threat. And I myself going to, you know, the don't say LGBTQ expansion committee, it felt very personal for me and a lot of people in that room, you know, being younger, when you have a bill talking about people your age or younger than you that you personally know, it feels like they're pointing it out to you and your passions and the community you care about and sort of putting a label on you that isn't necessarily true.
that you aren't fully allowed and welcome to be in that space. Sylvia. And again, LGBTQ people deserve to just live. Hold your thoughts. I'll get back to you. You're tuned into 411 Team. We're going to take a brief break. Views and opinions expressed on this program are those of the guests and contributors, and not necessarily those of WFSU Public Media. What's the 411? You're tuned in to 411 Team, and this hour I am talking with members of the Equality Florida community. Sylvia, I had to kind of cut you off. Did you have anything else you wanted to share? I just wanted to recap and say that a lot of these comments and rhetoric are things we tangibly see on the ground that affects not only us, but our members and their physical and mental health and aren't just things that people say lightly. What's coming down the pipeline? What do we need to be aware of and looking for, we as folks in the community? So in terms of community events to engage in yeah, or... No, I guess I really mean everything. I mean, as far as policies, as far as positions people are pursuing, um, what's happening at the... This is our last uh, part of our program. So positions that that political affiliations may be pursuing, um, just covering everything in these last few minutes that we have on the program. We've got about about 15, 20 minutes, but, you know, I, anything that I may have not covered well that you want to make sure we talk about, um, this is the, that time. So that's why I said that. And Thank what, you. I think um, Carlos may be able to give a little insight okay. uh, on some of the litigation, perhaps, um, that's happening. Okay, Carlos. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's really important for folks to understand that even with the slate of hate, which was the series of anti-gay and anti-trans laws uh, that were passed in this in this last legislative session, there's a number of lawsuits so far that have been successful in at least securing some preliminary injunctions uh, against those laws. For example, Hamburger Mary's sued the state of Florida after the anti-drag law was signed by Governor Ron DeSantis. Uh, a judge, a federal judge, has already issued a temporary injunction against the anti-trans law, saying that the anti, or I'm sorry, not the anti-trans law, let me restate that. A federal judge has already issued a injunction against the anti-drag law, saying that the anti-drag law could not be in effect. So everything that folks were hearing about in the news about how uh, drag performances were going to be regulated by the state, that there was going to be punishment. Well, currently, even though that law passed, it is not in effect, thanks to Hamburger Mary's lawsuit mm -hmm. against the state. And will be decided at some point in the future whether that law is allowed to stand. We've also seen lawsuits against the state related to the restrictions on gender-affirming care. Uh, right now, the ban on gender-affirming and life-saving care for transgender minors is not currently in effect because of a temporary injunction mm -hmm. 
against that law. We also know that uh, there's even more litigation that's going to be coming against other laws and that folks are getting ready uh, to sue the state over it. But I think what's really important to understand is that the courts, which have provided a mixed bag of results as far as how they've struck down some laws and how some have been upheld, the courts will not save us. It is Mm -hmm. very important for people to continue to speak out against these anti-LGBT laws, that they vote, that they participate in our elections and make sure that they don't support those candidates that are pushing these anti-LGBTQ laws, and that they continue to raise their flag proudly, that they proudly raise that flag uh, even higher than before. Uh, because right now it is very, very important that we show that visibility as a community and that we raise that flag uh, of resistance against so many of these laws because, you know, really at the end of the day, we have seen tough times as a community before and we have even more allies now than we had in the past and the arc of the moral universe is long, but it always bends towards justice. Yeah, just to extend a little bit um, or expand a little bit on the litigation regarding the drag queen ban. Um, like we said, or like I said in the beginning of the show, I do a lot on the groundwork. Mm-hmm. Um, so attending local pride events um, during the month of pride um, in the Gulf Coast community uh, was a bit hard. Um, and one of the reasons was because of uh, the fear mongering um, and vagueness of the, the laws that were recently passed. Um, I ha- attended two prides where they were basically threatened, you know, that their permit would be re- uh, revoked if they allowed drag queens uh, yeah. to attend uh, that pride event. Um, so the tone and the, uh, and the environment of that Pride event, um, it, it was a bit somber um, for me uh, because, uh, unfortunately, um, you know, the fear mongering was working mm-hmm. um, in that area uh, and just like the misinterpretation of the law. Um, so I was pretty disappointed uh, to see that. Um, and to speak to Carlos's point about now the time to like take a stand and resist, um, you know, fly those flags higher. Now, now is that time. You know, we we really are in a fight for our lives. Sylvia, any comments? I do want to begin speaking about ways to resist and get involved. Evidently, you don't have to get involved with Equality Florida, but we do have a lot of programs going on that we can help show you where to start, help you get plugged in, and help you get you updated on everything happening. So just to touch on two of our programs and please um, fill in with the rest Kevante once I'm done. Um, but we currently have our fall into action program, which for the next 60 days, we're going to be mobilizing to go to every single school board meeting in all 67 counties in Florida. So that doesn't mm-hmm. matter whether you're in Monroe County or, mm-hmm. you know, Leon County here. Um, we are going to be there and if we're not there we're more than ready to send someone with a toolkit of things to say uh, messaging you know what is going on in that meeting and tell them what are some pointers that we can help Mm -hmm. guide the conversation for that meeting so um 
we have a website if you want to sign up to join us. It's eqfl.org slash school board meetings. You can scroll and find your county there. And we also have a virtual program that we're doing in case you aren't the kind of person who wants to go to a school board meeting or speak at something. Um, we have a virtual program. So our program is that we do phone banking, which is just calling folks. So we'll call folks to ask them to join us at a school board meeting to sign up to volunteer, sign up for one of our general trainings and get more involved. And we do those every other um, Tuesday from 5 to 6.30, and I help host those. So if someone else joins from here, please let me know. Um, but yeah, feel free to hop in with the rest of our programs, Gifante. Oh, yeah. Um, locally, what we have going on, too, um, to speak for the school board mobilizations, um, we'll be mobilizing folks to attend uh, the two school board meetings at Leon County School Board on October the 10th and October the 24th. Um, and you can find more information about that mobilization event at mobilize.us forward slash Equality Florida. Okay. What trainings and services do, do you offer? I mean, the group itself. For example, uh, if, if a, an organization wants you to come and this may seem real sim simple, but I've had several people ask me this, and they just want someone to explain basic terminology. Is that something someone in your group would be all open to doing? Because there's a lot of people that really don't understand the basic terminology and the distinctions and maybe little nuances that apply. Where would they go? If it's yeah, not you, go, I mean, can they yeah. contact you? You know, I, yeah. I'd like to know about the trainings. I know, and I know you have services that you provide. What kind, I mean, is there affirming care training? I mean, policy, I mean, just what kind of services do you provide to the community? Yeah, it depends on, on what they need. So okay. uh, as it relates to uh, trainings and things of that nature, you know, they could go to equalityflorida.org uh, and be able to contact us with their needs and let us know, what, you know, what assistance they need as far as being able to do, for example, a corporate training. You know, we have our Equality Means uh, business program as well. Where we do outreach to our businesses and we do provide some forms of training as well. We also have our Safe and Healthy Schools Program. Our Safe and Healthy Schools program at Equality Florida is one that we are so, so proud of. You know, obviously the mission of our Safe and Healthy Schools program uh, is to make sure that all students, but especially LGBTQ students, are able to go to school in a safe and healthy educational environment so that they can thrive just like any other kid. And we are uh, working pretty much in all of our 67 school districts, not only to try to mitigate the harm of what has come as a consequence of these hateful laws that have been passed in Tallahassee and signed by Governor Ron DeSantis, but also to make sure that our educators, our teachers, and our administrators, and even our school social workers and guidance counselors have the resources that they need to be able to uh, provide that safe and healthy educational environment uh, to our students in all 67 of our public schools. Folks can go to equalityflorida.org 
in order to find out more about our Safe and Healthy Schools program. But also, we have a new program that has launched that mm. we're also very proud of, and we call it Parenting with Pride. Parenting with Pride is a network of parents across the state who are really stepping up and starting to engage their local school districts and local school boards to make sure that those safe and healthy educational environments continue to be provided, not only for uh, LGBTQ families, but also for LGBTQ students that are in our public schools, because we know that they're in every uh, single one of our public schools here in the state of Florida and across the country. Uh, and folks can go to equalityflorida.org. They can find out more about both of these uh, programs, our Safe and Healthy Schools program, and our Parenting with Pride Network as well to find out how they can get involved. Anything else we need to know about that's forthcoming? I wanted to very briefly discuss our upcoming town hall okay. in case people want more yes. of a legislative overview. So I was wondering if Kivante could plug us in on that. Okay. You got it. Uh, so uh, I am putting together a resist town hall here um, in Tallahassee with a fantastic uh panelists of uh, folks. Um, we'll have um, speakers there like um, our public policy um, director, John Harris, uh, Nathan Broomer, who's also an Equality Florida board member, representative from the ACLU, um, legal women voters, uh, to essentially talk about the implications of the current laws and how we as a community can respond. Um, to local issues and, you know, mobilizing and encouraging people to join the fight. Um, we really want the community to come out um, and engage in tangible action items to resist these ongoing attacks against the LGBTQ community and other marginalized communities. Um, so you can look forward to that um, by subscribing to our Mobilize, which is mobilize.us forward slash Equality Florida. Um, and it should be toward the end of October, early November. We previously had it scheduled, uh, but the hurricane came in and kind of ruined my plans. Um, so I am working to solidify a date, um, but that is upcoming, um, as well as a quality Florida gala on okay. February 17th um, of next year. Um, and that will be at the University Center Club um, at the FSU Stadium. Okay. All right. Before we close, I have one question that I need you all to clarify for me. From my perspective, now I know you're making a lot of inroads and you've made a lot of progress as far as policies are concerned. And, and I know it's an uphill battle, don't get me wrong. But are we going backwards in some ways? I mean, it seems like, you know, I'm old school and it seems like the Folks today have more antiquated ideas, perceptions, than they did, well, maybe it was just my circles, but than they did when, when I was, you know, when I was in school in the 80s. I just wonder, that, that's just a feeling I get. I might be totally out in left field. But no, it's like it's like what I <laughs> it was feels mentioning that way. Before. It feels that way to me. OK, yeah, it's like it's like I was mentioning before the cycle 
of progress followed by backlash has always been. That has always been the case. Mm-hmm. This, what we're seeing right now, as far as the dark political environment, particularly the LGBTQ people are facing in Florida, is not as a result of backwards thinking or some sort of retrogression. It is a result of one governor who has put his political ambitions above the wants and needs and the best interests of our state. And it's incumbent upon all of us, not only to continue speaking out, to raise our flags proudly and even higher, uh, but to make sure that so many of these elected leaders who are pushing these policies are held accountable. Okay. Well, that at least uh, made things clear for me. So I'm, I'm glad to hear that. Okay. Um, again, I'd like to express my sincere appreciation for you all taking the time to to share and educate my listening audience. Any last words of wisdom in this last minute, minute and a half we have that you might want to share? Any special takeaways that you want the listening audience? Yeah, for those LGBTQ youth especially that Mm -hmm. are listening, I think it's really, really important for them to hear the truth, which is that you are celebrated, you are loved, and there are people uh, like the folks at Equality Florida and so many more who are out there fighting for you every single day. Your lives matter and you're perfect just the way you are. Okay. Anyone else? Well then, it's time. Love one another. Go yep. right ahead. No, go ahead. That was it. Love one another. I mean, I mean, that's all. That's what we're all missing. Love one another. Reach out. Talk to somebody. Listen. Go from there. Okay. Yeah. I just want to echo Carlos's sentiments. Like we're talking, like there is a cycle going on and a rise in bigotry and far extremism overall, but there are pockets of good people and people who love you for who you are, no matter who you are. Well, time, it's just a matter of finding them. Time out, and I appreciate you for this edition of 4111. A special thanks to you. To my listening audience, much appreciation for your time and your ear. Tune in next week, same time, same place to get the 411 on 411 team. Four One One Team was produced by Dr. Liz Hollyfield. Technical assistance was provided by Evan Rossi. If you would like to participate in the 411 team or have suggestions for discussion topics, call 850-645-7200. Four One One Teen Archives are available as streaming audio at WFSU.org.